following message is brought to you by Capital City Baptist Church of Port Mosby. We exist to bring glory to God by knowing Christ and making Him known. If you would like to visit our church, we hold multiple services on Sunday mornings starting at 9 a.m. We are located between Motokea Wharf and Edai Town. Pickups are available 709-1000. First of all, say thank you. Uh, on behalf of our family, uh, we spent three and a half, three weeks in isolation uh, with COVID, and I know a number of you were praying for us, so church, thank you very much for that. We've got past it now, tick that box, done. And Papa John, Mama Lena, and a number of other people are saying the same thing, thank you, we ticked that box, and I don't want to go back there again. Amen. Uh, there's still some residual things that seem to hang on. I've got this cough that just doesn't seem to let go. So you'll probably notice this morning that I continually cough. I think talking happens to be one of those things that causes me to cough. So I can't just be silent here. Acacia has told me that doesn't work. So um, we'll just deal with it and move on. Uh, grateful for the opportunity, grateful for technology. Um, I think sometimes we begrudge the fact that we have to be separated. Uh, but I'm continually reminded that nothing happens without God's control. Nothing happens without God's hand in it. And despite the fact that we're separated, uh, God's given us the wisdom over time to be able to have technology that allows us to pipe this directly into your homes. So this morning, I encourage you to study along with us in the Word. And as we were singing this morning with Braxton, do that in your homes. And as we do this each week going forward, uh, make that your place of, of worship. All right, well, let's pray together and then let's jump into our study. We're going to be predominantly in First Peter, uh, as chapters 1 and 2 this morning. Uh, and I'm going to, there's going to be a lot of verses on the board, so I ask you just to, to come along with us in the journey. Uh, as we do this this morning. But let's pray together. Gracious Heavenly Father, Father, what a privilege it is to be able to study your word. Father, whether we are separated by physical space or by time and time zones, Father, whether we are in our home or whether we are somewhere on the side of the road or in a bus or whatever it is as we study your word father it changes us it impacts us so father this morning i pray as i speak as we study together father you would give me the words that don't come from me a frail man but father that come from you and the holy spirit working through me father you are good you are gracious to us. Father, I'm continually reminded that I do not deserve that. So, Father, this morning my greatest desire is that first and foremost you would be glorified through this message. Father, that you would be shown to be supreme. And then, Father, I pray that that would impact our hearts. As we glorify you through studying your word, that would impact and change our hearts. In your name. Amen. It's widely recognized 
that the two most important organs in the human body are the heart and the mind. Despite the fact that the brain only takes up about 2% of a healthy human body, it consumes about 20 to 30% of our daily energy intake. So what you eat, or you take in, 20 to 30% is consumed by your mind. And when I read that, that blew my mind. I'm thinking it's got to go to like the biggest muscle groups, it's got to go to, to different places, but your brain consumes 20 to 30% of that energy intake that you have each day. We so often take our mental health and the health of our physical brain for granted. But like the rest of our body, what you consume, how you exercise, even how your sleep patterns fall into place has a significant impact on how your brain functions, on your cognitive functions. The heart, on the other hand, and the health of the human heart tends to strike more fear into people than any other health issue. In fact, if you look globally in most countries, in most medical systems, any health event that is triggered by a heart problem is taken more seriously than anything else. It's treated with the highest priority. Why? Well, because we know that the human heart is so susceptible to damage. We know that the human brain is so susceptible to damage. And damage that is done to the heart is often irreparable. Damage that is done to the brain is often irreparable. So we've got to protect those things. And God gave us bodies that are designed to do exactly that, protect our heart and protect our brain, our mind. When we start speaking from a spiritual context, a biblical context, we see again and again throughout Scripture that the heart and the mind are so vital to our spiritual health. Solomon made this statement in Proverbs 23, verse 4. He said, Keep thy heart with all diligence, for out of it are the issues of life. Throughout Scripture, we see this inseparable relationship between the heart and the mind. Proverbs 23, 7 says, For as he thinketh in his heart... Now, if we think of that from a physical standpoint, we don't think about our heart doing the thinking. But when we look at it from a scriptural, from a biblical standpoint, from a spiritual standpoint... For as he thinketh in his heart, so he is. Genesis 6, 5, And God saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth, and that every imagination of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. Matthew 12, 34, Jesus says this. He says, Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaketh. There's this inseparable relationship 
spiritually between our heart and our mind. I'm sure that if I asked most of you, you would have heard many sermons on protect thy heart, keep thy heart, guard your heart. In fact, you've probably done Bible studies and you've probably spent time in your own Bible studies looking at exactly that. As believers, we know that while, yes, it is very important to look after our physical body, to to continue to exercise, to continue to, to strengthen our bodies and our minds, we also know that our spiritual health is so much more important. In 1 Timothy 4, verse 8, we see, it says, For bodily exercise profiteth little. But godliness is profitable unto all things, having promise of life that is now and that which is to come. You see, our spiritual health is so much more important than our physical health. From Scripture, we learn that protecting our heart and our mind is not passive, it's deliberate. It's not passive. It's not something that I just expect to happen. It's deliberate, and I need to work towards protecting my heart and my mind. I want you to see how Peter puts it, because over the next two to three weeks, four weeks, we're going to park in 1 Peter, and we're going to let the truth that's there saturate our minds. So have a look with me at 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 13. 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 13, he says, Wherefore, gird up the loins of your mind. Be sober to the end, for the grace that is to be brought unto you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Gird up, protect your mind. If I could speak openly here for just a moment. I think that I could safely say that most of us are tired. Most of us are fatigued, worn out. The past two years have had a greater impact on us than I think any of us even realizes, both physically, mentally, and spiritually. For the past two years, the news has been had this permanent red bar across the bottom of it that says alert. Yeah, anybody notice that? Every time I turn on the news, whether they are talking about kittens being best friends with puppies, there's an alert bar across the bottom. In addition to COVID, there have been fires, volcanoes, earthquake, economic collapse, countries collapsing. There's been coercion from nations. There's been ominous threats from nations. We've been in and out of church, in and out of school, in and out of the shops. We've been all over the place, but not where we feel we should be. Mainstream media has been dominated by the doom and gloom. And social media has been used to subvert and manipulate our minds. And if you're like me, you're tired. You're fatigued. You're worn out. And there's part of me that says, is this ever going to end? 
The two years that we've just gone through with COVID feels like a lifetime. Was I born into COVID? At 21 years old now, tomorrow I'm 21, I feel like, Papa John's only 31, I feel like most of my life has been in COVID, but it hasn't. As I've watched the world, as I've watched various groups protest, and we were talking about it just a minute ago, and Lay and Morsby here, one theme continues to scream louder than any other. What about me? What about my rights? What about my dreams and my desires? What about me? And sadly, many of us as believers have bought into that same thinking. Friends, believers, we must with all diligence guard our hearts. Over the past two years, I've spent a lot of time in my studies coming continually back to First and Second Peter. And perhaps I like Peter, and I, and I like Peter. Perhaps I like Peter because his letters to believers are so simple, yet so direct. There's no beating around the bush with Peter. He is just straight to the bone. And I like that. As an Aussie, that's how we are. We're, you know, there's no, we just rip the band-aid off, you know. And so I like the way that Peter teaches. And in his first letter, Peter uses a number of analogies to help the believer to protect his heart and to understand what the life of the believer should look like. And over the next four weeks, we're going to look through a few of those analogies to help us set things back on the right path, because I think we've been distracted. I know for me, over the last two years, despite the fact that we've had so much time in isolation and so much time separated from from the body and from our communities, that we should be, oh, well, I'm separated, I just need to get more into the Word, but... I think we tend to, and we've tended to, neglect the word more. So my hope, my prayer over the next four weeks is that we can see what Peter says here, and perhaps we can get back onto the right path. Peter challenges us to live in a manner, no matter what is happening around us, that exemplifies who we are in Christ. Over the next four weeks, we're going to walk through four analogies. The first one is have the heart of a child, and that's what we're going to look at this morning. And after that, we're going to look at have the heart of a foreigner, have the heart of an ambassador, and the last one we'll look at is have the heart of a warrior. I want you to understand from the outset, the only way to truly keep your heart and your mind is to completely surrender it to the Father. The very sad reality is that your heart and your mind cannot be trusted in your hands. The only way that we can keep our hearts and minds is by surrendering it to the Father. So this morning, have the heart of a child and grow in the likeness of Christ as an adopted child of the King. Have the heart of a child. 
The Bible refers to us as children many times, and sometimes it's in the positive and sometimes it's in the negative. But the Bible refers to us as children many, many times. And as a child, we need to understand whose child am I? Whose child am I? From a spiritual context, you are either a child of sin or a child of God. Let's for a moment, let's just look at what that means to be a child of sin. Ephesians 2, verses 1 through 3 says, And you hath he quickened who were dead in trespasses and sins, wherein in time past you walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that now worketh in the children of disobedience. That's us in Sin, As children of sin, we are children of disobedience, among whom also we had our conversation, our lifestyle in times past, in the lust of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature children of wrath, even as others. Psalm 51, verse 5, and here the psalmist says, Behold, I was shapen in iniquity, and in sin did my mother conceive me. Ephesians 5 verse 5. Sorry, Genesis 8 verse 21. The imaginations of man's heart is evil from his youth. That's us. When we are in sin, when we are children of sin, that's us. Ephesians 5 5. For this ye know that no whoremonger, nor unclean person, nor covetous man who is an adulterer hath any inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and of God. As believers, we have an inheritance that is incorruptible, but in sin, we don't have that inheritance. Our position in unbelief, our position without the redemptive power of Jesus Christ's blood, our position apart from the life that we gain in Christ is as a child born into death, as a child of disobedience, children of wrath. We deserve the wrath of God. Children destined for an eternity, an inheritance that is born out of sin, where God's wrath is continually poured down upon us. 2 Thessalonians 1, 8, and 9, in flaming fire, taking vengeance on them that know not God, that obey not the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, who shall be punished with everlasting destruction from the presence of the Lord and from the glory of His power. As a child of sin, that wrath of God, that is eternity. And sadly, sadly, so many people live in that space. But what's just as sad is the fact that so many believers choose to live in the exact same manner. As a child of God, there should be something different. 
should be different for us. Come with me to 1 Peter and let's look together at how we as believers are to guard our hearts because as believers, as sinners who have been placed, who have placed their faith in the finished work of Christ, there is a difference. 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 23. We spend the majority of the rest of the time here in 1 Peter 1 and 2. 1 Peter 2, 23, being born again. Now, I think that when we read that, we just read it casually. But there is so much behind being born again. There's so much depth in that, that if we just read it trivially, we we miss out on so much. The original context is that there's this reproduction to be produced new, Uh, born anew. It's a complete change. It's different. 1 Peter 2.23 Being born again, not of corruptible seed, but of incorruptible by the word of God, which liveth and abideth forever. 1 Peter 1 verse 3 says that we are begotten. Again, that's the same words as what we see. To be produced new. To be born again. Begotten us again unto a lively hope by the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. To an inheritance incorruptible and undefiled that fadeth not away, reserved in heaven for you. Who are kept by the power of God through faith unto salvation, ready to be revealed in the last time. 1 Peter 2, verse 2, and we're seeing how Peter describes this here, 1 Peter 2, verse 2, as newborn babes, desire the sincere milk of the word that ye may grow thereby. If so be ye have tasted that the Lord is gracious. 1 Peter 1, 14. As obedient children, not fashioning yourselves according to the former lusts of your ignorance. Peter's painted this picture for us of of new birth, of new life, and of growth that comes from a relationship with the Heavenly Father. A child is meant to grow. I think we can all agree on that. A child is meant to grow. And as the child grows, his heart and his mind are strengthened and developed. As the believer grows spiritually, his heart and his mind will be strengthened and grow. The first thing we see from these verses is that there's this new birth. Now that we are born anew, we are born not of corruptible seed. Adam's seed was corrupted by sin. And every single person, every generation from that point in history is also corrupted by sin. Sin is at our very core. But now, in Christ, we as believers, as children of God, are reborn of an incorruptible seed. 
Sin no longer has dominion over us. As we saw in Romans, and Pastor Matt's been preaching through Romans, we are dead to sin. Because now we are born again of an incorruptible seed. The second thing we see is that that in this newborn child, this believer, there's now a different inheritance. Before our new birth, we inherited sin, we inherited death, we inherited the wrath of God. And I might add here that that's exactly what we deserve. We deserve death. We deserve separation from God. We deserve the eternal wrath of God poured out on us. And now as believers, as children of God, we've been born anew, produced again unto a lively hope, a a hope that is alive and that is active. Because for the first time, we have life. Before we were dead in our trespasses and sin, but now we are alive in Christ. We're alive to an inheritance that does not include the everlasting destruction of 2 Thessalonians. Have a look at a couple more verses with me here. John 1, 12 through 13. But as many as have received him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God. Even to them that believe on his name, which were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. Romans 8, 16 through 17, the Spirit itself beareth witness to our spirit that we are the children of God. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ, if so be that we suffer with Him, that we may also be glorified together. Ephesians chapter 1, verses 11 through 14, it says, In whom also we have obtained an inheritance being predestinated according to the purpose of Him who worketh all things after the counsel of His own will, that we should be the praise and glory who first trusted in Christ, in whom also trusted that ye heard the word of truth, the gospel of our salvation, in whom after that ye believed. We were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise, which is the earnest of our inheritance until the redemption of the purchased possession unto the praise of His glory. Colossians 3, 23 and 24. And whatsoever ye do, do it heartily as the Lord, and not unto men, knowing that of the Lord ye shall receive the reward of an inheritance, for ye served the Lord Christ. As a child of God, the believer has an inheritance that will not fade away that will not be corrupted, that will not be defiled by sin, an inheritance that COVID-19 cannot impact, an inheritance that earthquakes and fires and destruction and riots and decisive politicians, divisive politicians and countries failing cannot impact. And as believers, that should encourage us. That should give us hope. An inheritance that is also fit for the Lord Jesus Christ. That's what we have in Christ. Think about that for just a moment. We deserved eternal damnation. 
We deserved the eternal wrath of God on us. But instead, we're considered joint heirs with the Holy Son of God. That should impact our hearts. It should impact our minds. So why, if that's the truth, if we deserve that but we didn't get it, if that is the truth, why would we get so entangled with the events of this present day? Why would we be so fixated on self, on my rights? Why would we, as Paul Tripp would say, be so intent on building and protecting the kingdom of me? And God has so much more for us in store. Let me tell you why. Look at 1 Peter 2, verse 2, as well as 1 Peter 1, 14. We'll find the answer there. First Peter 2, verse 2, he says, As newborn babes, desire the sincere milk of the word, that ye may grow thereby. Why do we get so entangled, so trapped in self? Because if we're honest with ourselves, many of us have lost the desire for the taste of the sincere milk of the Word, and we've grown to love the the taste of our own success. We've grown to love the taste of our own self-importance. We've lost sight of the fact that God is gracious. We've lost sight of the fact that in Christ we are heirs to so much more than what I can offer myself. We've lost sight of the fact that in Christ we have so much more than what the world offers. 1 Peter 1.14 says, As obedient children, not fashioning yourselves according to the former lusts of your ignorance. The warning here is that instead of living as obedient children, as heirs of God, as co-heirs with Christ, many of us end up going back to the selfishness of our lives in sin. So the question is, what do we need to do to protect our hearts? What do I need to do to protect my heart and my mind and to continue growing in the likeness of Christ as an adopted child of the King? What do I need to do? Peter gives us the answers. The first thing we need to do, and if you're taking notes, here's the first point. Desire the sincere milk of the Word. If I'm going to protect my heart, if I'm going to protect my mind, if I'm going to continue growing as a child of God, I need to desire the sincere milk of the Word. We see that in verse 2 of chapter 2. And let's just think about the benefits of milk for a newborn baby for just a moment. And I'm not a nurse. And Mama Lena's here, and she's seen a lot of newborn babies. But milk provides protein that helps a baby grow. It helps to strengthen their bones. It helps to, to grow their cognitive functions. It helps to prepare them for the rest of their lives. You could say that that, that mother's milk is foundational for them and for their long-term development. 
Despite the fact that we as humans have attempted many, many times to produce formulas and, and, and different substitutes, it's still widely recognized that a mother's milk is the best form of nutrition for a baby. And the Word of God is exactly the same for the believer. Particularly in the early stages of a believer's life. The more saturated the young believer's life is in the Word of God, the stronger that young believer grows to be. That foundation is set. Now that desire shouldn't stop as we grow. We should continue to desire the Word throughout our life. Notice as we look at that verse, he doesn't say that you are babies, so desire the milk of the Word. He doesn't say it that way. He says, like a baby desires milk, you should desire the Word of God. Take a look at Psalm 119, verse 105 with me. It says, Thy Word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. Do we believe that? Is that how much we desire the Word of God? Romans 15, verse 4, For whatsoever things were written aforetime were written for our learning, that we through patience and comfort of the Scriptures might have hope. Is that where we're drawing our hope? Or is my hope drawn in something that I can produce? Psalm 42, verse 1, we all know this one. We sing it all the time. As a heart, as a deer panteth after the water books, so panteth my soul after thee, O God. How much do we desire the sincere milk of the Word? As believers, the Word of God is absolutely vital for our growth, as well as for the protection of our mind and our heart. The word desire here in, in 1 Peter 2, verse 2, is a command. It's not a suggestion. Peter knows that the Word of God is absolutely vital to the continued growth of the believer. To stray from the Word of God is to lose sight of God. Now, maybe you're listening this morning and maybe you're saying to yourself, well, if I don't desire it now, if I've lost the taste for it now. If, if I'm struggling to be committed to reading it, how can I suddenly start desiring it again? When for so long it's been this distant thing. Yes, I was passionate about it when I got saved. Yes, I was passionate about it at points in my life. But right now, in this point in time where I'm worn out and I'm tired and I'm sick of COVID rules and restrictions and I'm watching the world go crazy around me, the last thing I want to do is pick up the Word of God. And I don't like that about myself, but that's the reality of where I'm at. The Bible tells me to desire the sincere milk of the Word. How do I get back to that point? Have a look back up at chapter 2, verse 1. The verse before. He says, laying aside all malice and all guile and hypocrisies and envies and all evil speakings. Desire. 
How do I regain that passion for the Word of God? Well, I start with dealing with anything that is contrary to the new life that I have in Christ. Hebrews 12, 1 says, Lay aside every weight and the sin which does so easily beset us. Put it away. Lay it aside. Get rid of it. If in your new nature in Christ, there will be a natural desire for the Word of God. As a believer, there will be a natural desire for the Word of God. Just like in a baby, there is a natural desire for that mother's milk. So often that desire is silenced by the voices of our old nature. Romans 8 verse 5. For they that are after the flesh do mind the things of the flesh. They that are after the Spirit, the things of the Spirit. Protect your heart, protect your mind by holding a short account. Deal with sin regularly and decisively. Remember that you as a believer are no longer a slave to sin. You are dead to sin, but alive in Christ. Our third point this morning, remind yourself continually that God is gracious. We see that in chapter 2, verse 2. Continually remind yourself that in your natural, sinful state, you deserved eternity in hell. You deserved God's wrath. You deserved to be punished with an everlasting destruction from the presence of God. But in Christ... You're now extended grace. In Christ, you are a new creation. You are an adopted child. You are a co-heir with Jesus Christ. You, as a believer, are accepted. 1 John 3, 1 says, Behold, what manner of love the Father has bestowed on us, that we, that we who are marred with sin, that we who deserve nothing but the wrath of God, that we who continually sin should be called the sons of God. Should be called the sons of God. I love this verse because there's so much passion in it. There's so much excitement, so much awe in it. How on earth can the holy God of all creation call me his son? Holy God. Friends, you protect your heart and your mind as a child of God by being passionate about the word of God, by reminding yourself regularly that God is gracious. Fourth point this morning. Be obedient to the Father. We see that in chapter 1, verse 14. Let's look at chapter 1, verse 13 and read through that. Wherefore, gird up the loins of your mind. Be sober and hope to the end for the grace that is to be brought unto you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. As obedient children, 
not fashioning yourselves according to the former lust of your ignorance. But as he which hath called you is holy, so be ye holy in all manner of conversation. In every aspect of your life. Get serious about being obedient to your Heavenly Father. As a child of God who desires to please God, I must recognize that I must be obedient. To do that, I must protect my mind. I must protect my heart. I must be serious about my relationship with God. I cannot take it casually. I cannot just hope that it's going to work out. I need to be delivered. I need to be serious about my relationship with God. Ephesians 5 verse 1 says, Be therefore followers of God as dear children. We are His dear children. And yet so often we do not treat Him as our dear Father. You protect your heart and your mind as a child of God by being obedient to the Father and about being serious in your relationship with the Father. Now, I could wrap it up there this morning. We've had four points, and Pastor Matt always told me that if you have more than three points, you're just showing off, and if you have less than three points, you haven't studied hard enough. And so the next one's not a point. It's a comment. So let me give you this one comment as we finish, and as we progress through this study over the next three weeks, we'll learn... Yes, there is to be this desire for the sincere milk in the Word. Yes, we are to be obedient children. Yes, we are to have the heart of a child and to continue to grow in our knowledge and our love for God. But spiritually, you are not to remain as a child. We're to have the passion of a child. We're to have a heart of a child. We're to have the desire for the Word of God as a child has a desire for the milk. But I am not to remain spiritually as a child. The next three analogies that we're going to see from Peter require maturity. They require you to build on the growth that is gained through the Word of God. And it's to our shame if we are not growing. Have the heart of a foreigner. That takes maturity. Have the heart of an ambassador. That takes maturity. Have the heart of a warrior. That takes maturity in our spiritual life. In order to live up to these, live up to these, in order to, to fulfill these, we must be growing. We must protect our hearts and our minds. In fact, if we look at Scripture, Paul addresses this. He addresses it with the Corinthian church, and then we see it again in Hebrews. In 1 Corinthians 3, verse 2, it says, And I, brethren, this is Paul talking, and I, brethren, could not speak unto you as spiritual. Whew. As a believer, that should be the biggest slap in the face that you ever get. Could not speak to you as spiritual, but as carnal, even as babes in Christ. I have fed you with milk and not with meat. Again, wow. Are we still taking on milk because we haven't matured enough to go to meat? Not with meat, for hitherto you were not able to bear it, neither were you able 
For ye are carnal, for whereas there is among you envying and strife and divisions, are you not carnal? Walk as men. Stand up. Get out of the crib. Put down the baby bottle. Get into the Word. Hebrews 5, 11-14 Of whom we have many things to say. Hard to be uttered. It's hard to say these things. Seeing ye are dull of hearing. For when for a time you ought to be teachers. You've been saved and you've had the word of God all this time. And you've had good preaching and good teaching. And you should now be at a point in your life where you're able to teach the word of God. But, you still got the baby bottle. You have need that one teach you again, which be the first principles of the oracles of God, and are become such as have need for milk and not strong meat. For everyone that uses milk is unskillful in the word of righteousness, for he is a babe. A strong meat belongs to them that are full of age, even those who by reason of use have their senses exercises exercise to decree both good and evil. So where do we sit? Where do you sit? There's a point in every child's life where the basic protein that's provided by a mother's milk is no longer enough to sustain growth in that child. And that child must have stronger proteins. As a believer... We must get past the milk and get into the meat. The depths of the Word of God are inexhaustible. And I firmly believe that the Word of God is applicable and can speak into every single situation in life. I believe that. But if we never get past the basics, if we never get past the milk, never get into the meat and we don't grow the way that we should grow we should still desire the word of God in the same way that a baby craves milk but our understanding and our knowledge should increase if I'm going to live like a foreigner I must first understand what that looks like if I'm going to act like an ambassador I must understand what I'm representing If I'm going to fight like a warrior, I must understand what weapons I have at my disposal and the tactics that my enemy uses. But if I never get past the milk, if I never dig into the meat, I will never be able to do that. I'll leave you with one last verse and we'll close up. 1 Corinthians 14, verse 20. It says, Brethren, Be not children in understanding. Howbeit, in malice, be a child. Be children when it comes to that. But in understanding, be men. In understanding, be men. If I'm going to keep my heart with all diligence... And if I'm going to grow in the likeness of Christ as an adopted child of the King, I must desire the sincere milk of the Word of God. 
I must lay aside anything that is contrary to my new nature in Christ. Deal with sin regularly and decisively. I must continually remind myself of the grace of God. And I must be obedient to the Father. Have to be obedient to the Father. Friends, can I challenge you this morning? Grow in the likeness of Christ as an adopted child of the King. Have a great week. We look forward to catching up with you again next week. Let's close in prayer. Gracious Heavenly Father, not only did you send your Son to die for us and save us, Father, you brought us into your family. You created us anew. We are a new creature. And Father, I pray that we would once again desire the Word of God as newborn babies desire the milk of their mother. And Father, I pray that we would deal with the sin in our hearts that impacts and separates us and blocks us from a consistent relationship with You. And Father, we would understand Your grace because we don't deserve it. And Father, if we could only grab a glimpse of what that meant. Father, we would be so passionate about you. Father, I pray that we would be obedient. And despite what the world around us does, despite the events that are occurring next to us in the news, on social media, despite all of that stuff, our first desire would be to be obedient to you, and to glorify you in every action. So, Father, I pray that we would have the heart of children and we would love you passionately. In your name, amen. Thank you for listening to this message. We would love to have you join us for service if you are in the area. If you need help with transportation, please give us a call on 7009-1000. Again, it's 7009 one thousand.